0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Ricardo Pepe will have his work cut out for him if Augsburg are to avoid relegation from the Bundesliga, but at least the Texan is assured playing time with the German team. The same can't be said for some of his European-based USMNT teammates. How should Greg Berhalter factor in club minutes, or lack thereof, before naming his roster for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. I'll be getting into that very topic today with Jimmy Conrad and the USMNT Hour's very first guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Grant Wall. The USMNT Hour begins right now. Hey everyone, if you are watching this live on YouTube, I can't emphasize this enough. We want to hear from you. So get in the comments, share your thoughts, get stuff off your chest, ask a question, and the producer will throw the best comments on the screen, and we will engage with those to keep the conversation going. As a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the K Golasso podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and take a minute to leave a glowing rating and a review. Life hack, you can do that right now while you listen. And for those of you who do your podcast listening on Spotify, you can now leave us a rating there. So please give K Golasso a five-star rating and enjoy the show. Now, let's welcome in our very first ever guest, Grant Wall. Grant Wall. You can find Grant Wall's work on www.grantwall.com. And he also has a podcast of his own, Football with Grant Wall. Grant, how are you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. I mean, you are in uncharted waters here as our first ever guest on USMNT Hour. So we appreciate you joining us, but how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Big fan of the work both of you have done and are doing. It's, uh, it's a lot, but it's impressive and it's fun. So congrats on all that.
0: If you had to rank Jimmy and I one and two <laughs> as though doing good work, where would you rank us? I mean- uh, No, I don't I know if one, I want to know that. If, he, I was, he, he, if
2: I was one, where would you put Jimmy? Listen, listen, flattery gets Grant everywhere with me, okay? I don't need to know like distinct numbers. Go ahead. Grant. All right. All right. Fine. Grant,
0: we'll, we'll move straight into our first topic then. We won't put you on, on the spot there because just blink twice if, if, if I was right with that. But, you know, you know, let's talk straight away about Ricardo Pepe makes his debut, you know, coming on in the second half. I mean, did you get a chance to see uh, him play? Did you see any highlights? And if so, what were your initial thoughts of, of, of him getting time against Hoffenheim?
1: I mean, yeah, I watched it as it was happening and it made sense to me that he didn't start the game. You know, I know they paid a lot of money for him, but they also wanted to give him a chance to succeed and not throw him into a, a position right from the start where he might disappoint. And he's only been there for a couple of days by the time that game's happened, still getting used to some basic things. So I was actually happy that he got 30 minutes. Uh, and he had a couple of moments, you know, where like if the pass had been made, he might've been in once. And uh, And I come away from it, Reminding myself, and I tweeted this, that Augsburg is kind of in a similar position in the Bundesliga standings that Dallas was last season in the MLS standings, which is to say his teammates around him aren't great in a lot of ways, at least compared to the competition. And so I think U.S. fan watchers are going to have to get used to the fact that Augsburg's not a great team. That said, Ricardo Pepe still scored quite a few goals with a pretty poor Dallas team last season so it's not like he's not capable of doing that with Augsburg and you're right he is going to get playing time with this team in part because they need him in part because they've spent so much money on him far more than they spent on any player in the club's history and they don't want to be relegated which is also obviously different from MLS so there's a lot of incentive for Ricardo Pepe to get a lot of time and I know he wants that opportunity because he does want to be playing for the U.S. In a World Cup year and at the World
2: Cup. Now, Grammy, mean- are you? Are you? Wait, hold on. Are you suggesting that Luchi Gonzalez might be heading over to Augsburg to manage? With this comparison, <laughs> that's that's one. Second, do you feel like expectations of what his debut should have looked like were maybe be wildly out of control, especially in the Twitter space? I mean, he has to adapt not only to a time change but a culture shock and and just trying to get adapted to a new team and to his teammates and their style of play and where he's going to fit into all that and how they like to have success. They're already struggling getting attacks. To, up, up until that point, they had 17 goals in 17 games. So, so, or do you feel like the, the expectations were right where they should have been?
1: I think, you know, like, it's hard if you're going to base your expectations off of what people are saying on Twitter, you know, because I think there's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> that I, I, that's I thought I'm, I'm I talking life. directly that's to Jimmy. That's a, that.
0: That, that is you directing, di- directly I, talking how live to Jimmy's my heart right there. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. But what I would say is, that you look at Ricardo Pepe had almost instant success with the U S men's national team. He hadn't spent that much time with those guys before he started scoring goals in some very big games. So he's been through some being thrown into the deep end type situations before. And I will say this, I don't think Hoffenheim's a bad team. You know, they're a team that has some real aspirations on, on wine to even qualify potentially for champions league, uh, they're a decent team. Augsburg, not as good, but I don't think Augsburg is terrible necessarily. So, like, we'll see what gets what happens on the field for Ricardo Pepe, but like I'm not gonna be too extreme one way or the other. I think he's gonna get opportunities and he's gonna get opportunities to start very soon here. And we've seen him succeed before much more than we've seen him fail. So like I'm I'm very much on the Pepe train.
0: Jimmy, we had a comment there from from Jesse talking about some of the underrated parts of of his game. Now, putting your fan hat on, Jimmy, for a minute, mm. looking 11 months down the line, do you like Ricardo Pepe here at Augsburg? He's going to go through this relegation battle for the remainder of the year, or would you have rather seen him probably a little more comfortable in Dallas, maybe scoring more goals? There is still some unknowns to what Dallas is going to be this upcoming year, or do you think that just this, this year alone is going to be going to be good for him? Because it, it seems like a difficult situation to come into with the pressure of the 20 million transfer, the situation of the club. Obviously, we've talked about it before. It seems like a better move than Wolfsburg. But part of it also feels like this is the team that spent the most money. And perhaps this is the team that won the sort of bidding race versus the right team for him. Do you feel any different about that? Obviously, it's just short sample size. He hasn't started the game yet. The team may it way better with him in the starting lineup. But what, what's your initial thoughts on it so far?
2: Well, my initial thought from a personal perspective as it pertains to him is that he didn't choose the option that was the safety net. FC Dallas felt very safe and and the and the, the right place to go just to – and he already knew he'd get called in if he was playing for an MLS team. There wasn't any fear of that or have, feeling this pressure to having, having to go to Europe to to prove himself to make sure he made the World Cup team. But I love that he did it anyway, and he took a big risk, and I like risk takers, and I like that he has a little bit of that swagger inside of him and that confidence that no matter where he goes, he's going to be a success. That said, he is walking into a very difficult situation, not only because he's now the highest transfer fee for that club in their history, which I think does add a ton of pressure, whether he wants to accept it or not, it's still going to have to be something he deals with, but also the fact that they're in a relegation scrap, and he is going to have to cut his teeth game in and game out, and I think that's going to sharpen him. It's going to make him tougher. Whether he wants it to or not, he's still gonna get thicker skin through this process, both on the field and off. And he's gonna have to deal with a lot of things. I hope that he's got a good support system around him because when you you do need that balance in your life, you do need to be able to go home if things aren't going well and vent without having to go to social media and vent. Sometimes I think some of the guys take it a little bit too far and apologizing for performances. Like you shouldn't have to do that ever. Like sometimes some days are good and some days are bad. And I hope that he has that support system. It sounds like he does, seems like he's got a great family, and I expect that to uh hopefully continue when he goes over there. But I like that he did that. If he got to volsburg I don't really know his other options outside of Wolfsburg, but he would have fought for time without Beghorst. And I'd rather him get minutes and fight and scrap than to sit and watch somebody else play. So yes, yeah. he would have got better service with Wolfsburg. Yes, they might have bigger ambitions, but they're a bit of a dumpster fire too. So I don't know if there was any perfect situation for Ricardo Pepe, given his options, but I like that he took a risk and I hope, I hope that it pays off. Hey Grant, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, Jimmy and
0: I talk pretty regularly about some of the other aspects of Ricardo Pepe's game, right? His ability to press, bringing players into the game, his ability to to hold the ball, to turn and get on the go. All these things that aren't necessarily scoring goals. I mean, how much of that is part of this development versus, hey, you just spent a bunch of money on a guy. You're in a relegation battle. His only job is to score goals. And that's what he's going to be judged on.
1: You know, it, it may be what he's judged on. But I like that Ricardo Pepe does these other things and does them well because that's how you become a complete forward. And that's important to your coaches, to your teammates, to winning games. And so, yes, he's going to need to score goals as well. That's how he's going to be measured. But uh, you, you can be valuable, as you guys know, in other ways, including and especially if you're a center forward. So, you know, Pepe does all those things he doesn't create his own goals a lot. You know, he's not a guy who's going to like beat a lot of guys one-on-one on on the ball and, and create goals that way. So that's part of the deal, but you know, he does so many other things well that I think he can be really effective with the national team and, and in the Bundesliga too. So um the other thing, too, like Jimmy said, I, I don't have a great Jurgen Klinsmann impression, but, you know, getting out of his comfort zone, is, as Jurgen might say. <laughs> yeah, you were
0: right. One, that wasn't very good. That was terrible. terrible. See, I,
1: I told you. But like that is something that Klinsmann always preached. And, and that's something that Ricardo Pepe is doing here. And I, I admire that.
0: Yeah, I respect that as well. Uh, talking about number nines also, uh, Grant, I'll stick with you. Uh, Daryl D. K. This is this is one that's sort of surprised me. I, I've been uh, highly critical of Greg Burhalter just because Daryl D. K. Seems to be an option, and early on, it seemed like every time he got the ball in the national team, he was trying to score a goal from anywhere and everywhere. Then he seemed to settle in a little bit, and I just really like him as a different type of player. Now, if he goes on a good run at West Brom, do you think he could become the number nine for a bit, or what do you see his role in the national team? And Jimmy would love your thoughts on this as well after uh, after Grant.
1: You know, my sense, and I'd like to ask Greg Burhalter this very specific question because I haven't yet about DK. Is was there a moment during the Gold Cup when Greg Burhalter kind of decided, you know, what I don't know if I really rate this guy at the international mm-hmm. level yeah, very yeah. much because that's the indication I've gotten. Just because DK hasn't been involved much mm-hmm. since then, you know, he had some good production games in the Gold Cup against like Martinique and some lesser opponents, but in the games that mattered, he didn't have a huge impact. I also know Greg Berhalter at least aspires to play uh, attractive soccer. And I don't know if he feels like Daryl DK necessarily fits in with that. Even when, when DK, I'm not saying this is, this isn't me talking here, but like, even when DK was doing well at Barnsley, it was playing a type of soccer that Greg Berhalter doesn't really want to play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he may just think, I think that the DK is not a great match for the Berhalter system. Mm -hmm. I don't think the U S can be very picky to be honest. And if a guy can score goals, I think he should be involved. I think Daryl DK should be involved with the national team based on what he was doing with Orlando. And if he can do with West Brom, what he was doing with Barnsley, yes, 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 please bring him in because even Ricardo Pepe doesn't have a stranglehold on the center forward position, nor should he. He hasn't done enough to be just an automatic write him in pen in the starting lineup. And I think there's a wide open competition here. I'd like to see Daryl DK be part of that conversation. I wouldn't mind even seeing like a Jordan Peefock be part of that conversation based on what he's achieved. But as of right now, it seems a little bit like it's Pepe's job, Zardis, maybe even Jesus Ferreira, who I also like, by the way. Yeah,
0: yeah. and Jimmy, Jimmy, let me ask you this, because I actually like Grant's argument there in terms of, you, you and I both said it, that there, there was seemingly a moment where Greg sort of checked out and said, okay, he's not at this standard. But shouldn't the same have been said for Josh Sargent? And hasn't Josh Sargent gotten a much larger sample size, Jimmy, in, in your opinion, of being able to say, okay... We knew for a while that he wasn't going to be our nine, just in terms of his goal production at the club level. There was a lot of potential. Obviously, he still had a lot of upside because he was young. But doesn't it seem like he's gotten quite a few looks as well for somebody who we know isn't going to play the most attractive style of play either and maybe not going to be the goal productions that we're looking for as well?
2: No, no, you're right. I think that Sargent did have a larger sample size. I don't feel like Daryl DK's gotten a fair shake. I'd like to see him. Get a few more minutes, even as a super sub, just to see if he fits in that role. I mean, we saw him start a few times in the Gold Cup, as Grant mentioned. But what about as a super sub? What if, what about coming off the, off the bench for 10 minutes, just to see what kind of impact he can make there? Because not every game is going to be attractive. Not every game is going to be straightforward and played out exactly how you want it to play. And Greg knows this. So I find it quite interesting that he's not looking at different options as to solving different problems, given the opponent or the situation or or whatever it may be, and I think that Daryl DK does provide that. So does Pifok, where they they have a little something. We saw Pifok do it in the Nations League against Honduras in the semifinals, where he came on and scored late as a super sub. I like having that as an option off the bench. If it's just Ricardo Pepe and then we have a bunch of cute as a button wingers, you know what I mean? Like that's great, and those guys are good at what they do. But don't we want? a Brian McBride-esque player, a big, big guy up top that can just get on the end of crosses because you know what? That's what the game's dictating. So I hope that that's looked at at some point throughout this qualifying phase. We do, thankfully, have quite a bit of time before we have to pick our our team, the 23 that are going to go to Qatar, assuming we qualify. We're definitely going to qualify. I'm not putting that out there. No bad juju for me. But uh, that that's just something that, I, that I'd like to see. And I think if Daryl DK does perform at West Brom, because they got a big game this weekend against QPR. They're in fourth and QPR in fifth. And the more he gets these kind of games and gets some minutes, I don't know, it's, it's going to be undeniable, I think, if he ends up dominating at West Brom, the, that great's going to have to call him in. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, and, and speaking of, of of playing time in general, Josh Sargent is actually one of the ones
0: leading the way in terms of getting consistent minutes. You know, Grant, uh, we had this period where we went and saw, we broke all these records for Americans playing in Champions League. We had 12, and then we had a, a new record of knockout rounds, and then we had one win the Champions League uh, with Christian Pulisic. But now we find ourselves in a little bit of a funk where Tyler Adams is in and out of the team, Team away is in and out of the team, Yunus Musa can't find his minutes again, and we have a number of these players, whether injured or out. I mean, how much of a concern is that, and how much should Greg Berhalter be considering this stuff coming into camp, or do you think, hey, uh, we've sort of got our best 30, if they're healthy, we're going to bring in the, the the large majority of them, whether
1: they're getting minutes or not? You know, I don't think this is a time for experimentation in World Cup qualifying with six games left and every point matters. And yes, it's a concern when some of your starters are not starting every game in Europe, but that can also change fairly quickly. You know, we saw Tyler Adams get the start the other day in a nice win for Leipzig against Mainz. Um, you know, Weston McKenney is back playing pretty well. I think for Juve had a, a real role in their comeback at Roma. So um, Christian Pulisic is a guy who, you know, you still don't know what his position is at Chelsea and, and we may never know because he plays in so many different spots. It, you know, lately, it, it makes you wonder if like Tuchel thinks he's a center forward or just thinks he, he, he's put him in that spot, kind of a false nine position on multiple occasions now. And, and I just wish we get to see Christian Pulisic much more as a winger when Chelsea has their best lineup together, because for the biggest games, sometimes, you know, like against Liverpool, you'll see Pulisic get the start, but also they were not playing with a full deck in that game because Lukaku wasn't playing. So uh, I'd like to see Pulisic get to a point where he's regularly in the best 11 for Chelsea playing in his best position, but I don't know how often that's going to happen.
2: Yeah. Jimmy, I, and for you, No, no. I'll just jump in. Yeah. I, I, it's a worrying trend. I think that the lack of minutes from Americans playing and Sergio just, you know, it stands out that Barcelona went out and got 38 year old Danny Alves to play that position instead of leaning on their young guy with the bright future. I put air quotes around that. So that makes me a little bit concerned because I do really respect Xavi, not only as a player, but as a manager and and, and his style of play. And if he doesn't think dust is good enough to play in that system, that gives me a little cause for concern. So I hope that Dest lands on his feet, makes a move in this January transfer into where he can go find some minutes. I guess where I'm not as concerned because this world cup is in the winter, we still have a whole summer where these players can move and maybe find that situation. And I think my concern will be, will grow more. I'd say if it's the start of next season and we're in August and September and these guys aren't playing as much, and they're not featured as much. So I think there's some time to kind of wring my hands about what's happening, but not really be overly concerned that this is going to potentially impact their form. Now, obviously, it pertains to how we want them to be sharp in World Cup qualifying, and that matters, but I get the sense. Even Pulisic, when he was in a bit of a rut with Chelsea before, he came back with the national team during the pandemic. He was in Europe. We're playing like Costa Rica in Europe or whatever, and you could see that he like regained the fun, the enjoyment he had just from being around those groups, that group of guys. And I think that is one of Greg's maybe underrated gifts was really creating a nice culture uh, amongst the players. And, and um, they seem to really enjoy being around each other. And I think that will ultimately get us to the World Cup, even if the guys aren't playing a lot of minutes because we have a nice camaraderie.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would say to that, and the only thing that gives me hope, is just the age of these players that aren't getting minutes right now, right? Mm-hmm. If you go back again some years, we would have just been happy to have any of these players at the clubs that they're at, and just be like, dude, he's on the bench. I can tell. I can tell all my friends that we've made it. Like we got Michael Bradley's at Roma. It doesn't matter if he plays or not. You know, we've 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 now got these players who we're gonna see the ceiling at a very young age, or the potential ceiling where the default becomes bigger than any clubs that we've had most of our players. And so I think the bounce back of this is not. As tragic as it would have been in the mm-hmm. past where, you know, we get a player up to a mid, mid-table Premier League team, then that's their cap, and then they fall back down to a fulham or more relegation battling team, and that's all we're ever going to see. So that's the only thing that gives me hope. Moving on to this the, um, camp cupcake uh, for the 19 MLS <laughs> base players being called in. I mean, uh, Grant, for you, is there any names outside of the usuals? that you expect uh, in this camp or somebody to break through. Jimmy and I have been kind of going through this roster of players. You know, we hoped Caden Clark would play the last time around. Also, um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name at DC United. Uh, Paredes uh, getting a chance but was was injured. We're trying to think of who's going to be that one player that breaks out between now and the World Cup, assuming that one of these veterans like a LeJet or an Ariola, may be pushed out because somebody who we don't know yet or hasn't featured yet, might be that 23rd pick in the roster. Is there anyone from this camp, or is there anyone that we aren't currently talking about that you think's got a shot or that you're excited to see over the next 12 months?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good question, and I almost feel like it's two guys who are veterans, and this maybe isn't the perfect answer to your question, but they've both been missing with injuries for a really long time, Jordan Morris and Aaron Long, because we've almost gotten to a point where we don't think about them with the U.S. men's national team, and when they've been at full strength, They've been a big part of it. And so I, I, I do want to see what those two guys in particular do over the next, um, you know, a uh, few months here uh, with the U.S. national team and, and also, um, you know, in MLS. But, uh, um, you know, you look at the, the roster here as well. And uh, Georgi Mihaljevic is a guy who, you know, was very much a part early on of Greg Berhalter's plans Then he wasn't. And he's done pretty well at Montreal and, and has become a really important player for them. So uh, that's a guy that I want to see if if he might make a move. But um, I don't get the feeling that there's too many guys. Like if the U.S. had qualified for 2018, Bruce Arena, I can also do his accent if you want. Yeah, please. Um, you said it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was going to bring Weston. I was going to bring Weston. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'll rank that one over. Slightly better. Slightly better. Uh, Uh, But, you know, like he always said, Weston McKenney and Tyler Adams might well have gone to the 2018 World Cup if the U.S. had qualified. I don't know if there are any guys like that in the U.S. or in Europe right now where you're like, this guy can make a real move over the next six months and get on the plane to Qatar, even though they weren't even really involved in World Cup qualifying. But we'll see, that, could, that still could happen. And um, I, I do wonder who those, who those players might be. I, I feel like it's not gonna be a, as big a chance as in previous World Cups.
0: Jimmy, uh, you, you, we know that, that Greg loves Aaron Long and if Aaron Long is back to his old self, he's probably gonna be on that plane to Qatar But that would mean that perhaps somebody that we like right now is getting pushed out of that World Cup squad, Jimmy. If you think Aaron Long were to come in, who do you think falls out when we're talking about Walker Zimmerman, we're talking about Mark McKenzie, we're talking about John Anthony Brooks, which very well could be the case, probably the most obvious one at this point in time. You've got Tim Ream that's further into depth charts. You've got a number of these players, Miles Robinson. I mean, who do you think falls out of that uh, if Aaron Long is fit and healthy?
2: Yeah, good question. I just wanted to... Talk about Grant's last point because I was one of those players who I actually played in more World Cup games than World Cup qualifiers. And so I did come out of the weeds, let's say, to make that happen. But I provided. Humble
0: brag, uh, humble brag right? You know what? I mean, we're 22 it, minutes a, in. She's that's, that's, that's longer of my hot. flex than usual. It's lo- <laughs> yeah. I usually get
2: into my flex a wow. lot earlier than that. Jeez. But but I'm just saying that that I can really relate to those types of players. And 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 I think Joe Scali could be one. DK could be one that kind of re-emerges back into the scene. There's plenty of, of options, I think. But with regard to your question, Keith, I think that Zimmerman and Miles Robinson look like locks at the moment. And we've talked about Zimmerman before because, as I mentioned, in a previous podcast, he's around the same age I was when I was trying to make this World Cup team. And I was 28, 29. This was pretty much it. If I was going to make this World Cup, this was going to be the one. And the other next four years was going to be a little bit more difficult, which it proved to be. And I think that Zimmerman has got that that urgency to to be as good as he possibly can because he can sense that as well. And I like that he's playing with that and is showing in his MLS form as well. Miles Robinson, excellent. He continues to get better with each passing game. Chris Richards, I think, will get onto this team. I think he continues to grow with confidence in Hoffenheim. So I think at this point, Mark McKenzie might be the one that gets displaced. If Aaron Long shows that he's healthy and ready to go. I think that the, the decision has been made on John Anthony Brooks. I think there's something personal between him and Greg Berhalter that happens. I think it's around the Canada game where he didn't really track Kyle Lahren in the middle of the field. I think that was just maybe a microcosm, of something bigger grants a real journalist. So I'll let him try to dig into that o- outside of us. Faux journalists over here, Heath. And so I think those would be my four at the current moment, yeah. but uh you know, that can change. A lot can change. Inj- injuries can happen. I was behind Corey Gibbs, you know, once he got named the team, he got hurt during the, the lead up to the World Cup. And I got to be the next kind of guy off the bench because of that possibility. So there's a lot that can happen in a short period of time. But those well, would be my four. And I love Mark McKenzie, but if he's not getting minutes and not playing regularly, I just think he could be sacrificed. And because of that love that, that Greg has for Aaron Long.
0: Well, speaking of these players, Grant, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about Walker Zimmerman being a lock after he had enough games under Greg where Greg sort of made his mind up on mm-hmm, him and then mm-hmm. gets called back in off of an injury. And now is probably the number one pick, at least in my book, of saying, hey, if you're going to build a team for a World Cup, somebody that's no nonsense. I mean, it does seem to happen that quickly. So I wonder, I mean, in your in, in your opinion, is there anybody in that back line that's, that, that's your number one lock if you're building this 23 if it was today?
1: I mean, I don't know if I would say lock. Um on anybody at this point, because it does change so quickly. I talked to Walker Zimmerman right around the time when he was originally left off the October roster at first. And then because I think it was Reams injury, he gets called in and becomes captain for one of the games. (laughs) And, and right around that time for the rest of the MLS season and for the rest of the national team games he played, he was a beast. He just controlled the air was very well positioned, very smart player, just pretty dominant at times. And so I think he's the closest thing there is to a lock along with Miles Robinson, who I, I, I think has been terrific. Um, and, you know, you look at the other guys, I, I'm a little surprised that McKenzie has continued to get call-ups. Uh, not that he's a bad player. I think he's a, a really promising player, but just based on the amount of club time he had. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any sort of smoking gun reporting on Greg Burhalter and John Brooks. Uh, but yeah, not yet. Maybe at some point. <laughs> just but, say
0: anything. <laughs> just give us <laughs> <me> something, Grant.
1: <laughs> but what I will say is I, I feel like there's occasionally players that if you're not going to start them, you can't bring them in. Okay. And my sense is that John Brooks is a player that if you're not going to start him, it's hard to bring him in. I'm not saying you can't bring him in, but I think Greg Berhalter might've made that decision because I think Brooks has been very good at times for the U S over the years. He's been very good at times for Wolfsburg over the years. He hasn't been good for the U S for a little while. He's had kind of a rough patch when he has played. Um, and I think he's a really proud player. And I think he really takes it as a, a, a big ego hit when he comes in and isn't in the starting lineup when you look at his club pedigree and what he's achieved. So um, I think that's part of what's happening here. And I'm very curious to see if there's any sort of Uh, a reproachment in the relationship that he apparently has or doesn't have with Greg Berhalter. And we're going to see just based on call-ups for the next World Cup qualifiers and the ones beyond.
0: Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We got a ton of chatter about Conrad De La Fuente in the live chat right now. We appreciate all of the comments that are coming in. Keep them going. We'll get them up on the screen and keep this conversation going. We will be right back. All right, everyone, we are right back. We are live as usual. Let's talk about the upcoming camp. Not the not the January camp, but uh, the, the, the World Cup qualifiers that we have going on. I, I mean, Jimmy, for you, looking at the, this window of time that we have before the call-ups, I mean, is there anything the players can be doing that are going to shift Greg Berhalter's thinking? Or do you think right now we're, we're what are we, the 11th of January – He's kind of got his mind made up with maybe one or two players that can prove themselves wrong. I mean, Conrad De La Fuente is one. Again, gotza is getting, still getting some minutes. He's shown some good flashes for the national team, but it's still another one that hasn't gotten that consistent run of games as Marseille continue to have a bunch of ups and downs throughout their season. I mean, do you think Greg Berhalter's got his mind made up on this one already? Or do you think there is still things players can do or to affect um, the actual uh, – 26 or 27 man roster he brings in the camp
2: well i think the, the 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 camp that's happening with the domestic players or any any scandinavian league players that are coming into the like the kind of the pre-camp to the camp you're discussing i do think they have an opportunity uh dewan jones in particular really stands out for me because i don't know if left back has completely been solidified with anthony robinson i think is the number one but behind him I, I don't really know. And Dewan Jones, 23 years old, played 29 out of 31 games for New England Revolution this year. They won the Supporters' Shield, three goals, five assists. Like He gets up and back, plays for Bruce. I know that Greg and Bruce probably have a good relationship, so they're talking about different players. So he's intriguing to me, and I feel like if he has a good two weeks, he probably won't start maybe those games, but maybe he can be a super sub and they can kind of see him as games get uh, a little bit more meaningful leading into that. I, I think that if Daryl DK goes to West Brom and all of a sudden just lights it up for the next couple weeks, I think he would probably be considered. I'm ready to see Joe Scally actually start a game for the U S and I think we have opponents in El Salvador and Honduras where maybe he could get one of those. But he's
0: just coming back from COVID as well right now, you know, and you maybe it's a game. Or, I or, expect him or, to maybe,
2: be superhuman. Yeah. Okay. Heath Pearson, uh, he's going to fight uh, through COVID uh, and, and I just, we know that Greg, because there's three windows in eight days or three games in eight, in eight days, he's going to mix the squad. And this is a good opportunity for one of those players that we're discussing to maybe make the most of those minutes. And so I want to see a couple of those players that have been on the peripheral. With regard to Conrad De La Fuente, as much as I want to see another Conrad on the U.S. men's national team, he's just not playing a lot under Sampaioli at at Marseille. And and if it is, it's a bit of a spot start. He got in against Bordeaux this past weekend, played 15 minutes. Before that, 23 minutes. uh, Early December, he he started against Locomotive Moscow. They won 1-0. And then he started uh, before that. And he's only got four games in the last six weeks. And that's not a good sign. And it, it, it's one of those things that if you're a national team manager and you can see a club is trusting a certain player that you're looking at, then you're probably going to naturally trust that player as well. But if that that guy's not even getting minutes for Marseille or whatever club they play for, it's going to be harder to, I think, validate and justify why you're bringing them in. Well, Grant, let me, let me shift the
0: question then for you. Uh, let's talk about the players that are just coming back now from injury, right? You've got... Um, Gio Reyna, you've got now, now uh, Joe Scally coming back from COVID after a short break, and you've got some of these types of players. I mean, which ones of these do you want to see get at least some minutes uh, to, to help in consideration of bringing them in? Or do you think, you know, again, back to my previous question, of uh, most of these players are a lock. If they're healthy, they're going to be called in regardless of minutes.
1: You know, I was disappointed not to see Gio Reyna in the squad for Dortmund uh, in the last game, because I'm not, you know, keeping up every single day with his recovery, but I, you know, he, they made a, a pretty big deal when he came back to training, and uh, it's just so unfortunate that he's missed so much time from an injury that happened in September qualifying. That when it happened, seemed like a, a, a sort of typical muscular injury, and it's clearly not a typical muscle, you know, muscle injury. Tim is injury, we need to see what happens. Um, Timway's injury, we need to see what mm-hmm. happens there with him. Um, you know, he was making real progress with the national team in the last round of qualifiers, um, you know, becoming a really reliable player. Um, and then uh a guy like Brendan Aronson has made himself kind of almost indispensable uh in the last few months with the national team. And I don't think we would have looked at Aaronson that way before the qualifiers had started. So you know, you put all those things into it and you kind of see why De La Fuente hasn't been called in based on his club performances. And, um, you know, Joe Scalley's a guy who I think he's going to get over COVID fairly quickly here. You know, I think he was on the verge of being in a potential starting situation. Uh, Bernalter seems to really like him. And if he's healthy and playing and he's at that left back position you were talking about, Jimmy, then mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I could certainly see him getting some time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough to say because I think even DeAndre Yedlin has been in and out of the team uh, at, at at the right back position. It, it's just there's so many moving pieces this time of year that it just seems like we can't really get a consistent run of games for a number of our players. Jimmy, is there anybody you're excited about uh, for, for this group that you want to see? You know, Joe Scally, we've, we've talked about a lot. We seem disappointed every time when he, get, he, gets, he got called in this last one and he didn't feature. I mean, is there anybody that you want to see get minutes – and, and if so, and, and, and Natalie's saying she, she's surprised, uh, she'd, be, she'd be surprised to see Gio getting minutes in the next three qualifiers. And that's one that we've been talking about, right? I would love to see Pepe and, and Gio Reyna play together. That's something we haven't seen. I'd love to see where Gio Reyna fits into this team. If MMA is your central midfield and Brennan, Brennan Aronson is as important as he is and Christian Pulisic is on the other side, where does everybody fit into this lineup, Jimmy? I mean, actually, let's shift a little bit towards... Towards this lineup and who you want to see brought in in a perfect world, knowing that most of these players are coming back. I mean, what's your what's your team that you're rolling out for? for uh the the opener jimmy let's Keith, you've asked me like 15 it.
2: questions here you've no, asked me 15 listen, different questions
0: it happened <laughs> in real time i realized those first questions sucked the second <laughs> question sucked the third question sucked so i'm like just tell me about well, the I'm I've been coming up with answers i think i got something good for that i'm thinking about geo reina and i'm like dude i i continue to wonder where he fits into this team he's so good when he's good we haven't seen him in a while but this team has come a long way and now we talked you know grant just talked
2: about Brendan aronson being as important as he is i mean where does he fit into this team I just want to see Gio Reyna so I know that he's alive, okay? I just yeah. want i want to see Gio play for us once again. I will say, just for some fun, and I don't know which, which country would even try this. Maybe it's more in a friendly, but it would be kind of cool just to kind of take Thomas Tuchel's lead. Let's put Pulisic at the false nine. Let's put Gio Reyna, assuming everybody's healthy on one side, Brendan Aaronson on the other. Those three guys buzzing around would be a lot of fun to watch. I don't know what kind of chances we get, but... It would be entertaining to try to get to those chances. we well, never what I want go past the half line. We just Everybody but, would track back to get well, the Well, We would get fouled all the time. Those guys always yeah. get fouled a ton because they're just an Anthony Robinson there. would have to just do 40 over. He'd be the <laughs> highest player up on the field and then be left to go
0: back. Uh, At, the the West West. We
2: could be bombing. for It'd be amazing. It would be uh, a lot of fun to watch. Just cue the circus music if that happens. But yeah. I'll say that in goal, you know, you got Stefan Turner and Sean Johnson. I think those are your three, even though I want to see Slonina. I think he's got a great upside. Maybe a little bit too young this cycle, but definitely involved in 2026. On the right side, you got Dest. I'd probably go with Yedlin over any other options. Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, Walker Zimmerman. Uh, Brooks is probably out. And I don't know. Who else? Who uh, else what what is Aaron Long's Aaron Long.
0: status? What is his status? I don't, I mean, I don't he, know Aaron Long's status. Uh, but I'd go Anthony Robinson
2: talking... and Joe Scally on the other side, unless Dewan does really well. Dewan Jones uh, in this camp. Um... I don't know. I don't know what Aaron Long's status is, other than I think he's good to go. Again, we should defer to to Grant on this, but I will. I think uh, MMA in the middle, so uh, Musa McKinney and Adams. West McKinney has been tremendous the last month. I hope long that long may that continue for the next ten years. Yeah, and whatever. and you know the the three that I talked about. I don't know if there's any big big changes. You know, outside of who we've always been calling in. I know there's clamoring for people not to see Ariola and Leggett and Roldan. I think there's room to have and players. Don't forget Zardes in Zardes, that group. Sorry, you know, the, sorry.
0: people, you're gonna put yeah, them all they're all in the clumped together group. now. Yeah,
2: but but there is a place to have players that 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 Greg knows that he can rely on in a pinch and can go out and do the job. Is it exactly how people want, or is it as good as Pulisic or whatever? No, it's not going to be. But they know what their job is. They know what their role is, and they're probably not gonna bitch about it like we've seen potentially with some other players. And to Grant's point, if they don't start, more often than not, they're okay with it. They just want to be a part of the team and help move everything forward. So I think there's a space for those types of players. But, uh, yeah, uh, they're not uh, big fan favorites, unfortunately. Jimmy, right,
1: you took the hard one there. Like, I think you, you he was asking you just for your starting 11. I think you gave him the <laughs> same three.
2: I just, went, I just went and gave it all. I just gave it all, great. Okay.
1: But one thing I find interesting because we talk about Des not getting much playing time at club level, and is he going to be sharp for uh, you know these big qualifiers? But Yunus Musa has basically Mm -hmm. not gotten much playing time for Valencia all season. You know that's been sort of a regular thing, and yet when he has come into the national team and started games, with maybe the exception of Panama, he's been terrific. I think. Yeah, he's my favorite player. Yeah, and, and he's. He, I think it's a really positive impact when he has both McKenney and Adams playing with him in the central midfield. And as long as that's the case, I think they help Musa be better. And that's why I think there's some sort of sort of ineffable chemistry in that central midfield with those three players. That when you take even one of them out, it kind of screws up everything. And so yeah. I just hope those guys stay healthy. Even when they're not playing, you know, when Musa's not playing that much at club level, he seems to bring it uh, for these international but, games. So I think. But by that's the way, Grant. Good thing.
0: Yeah. By the way, on that, I, I mean, I think the same for Walker Zimmerman having MMA in there. I mean, having a player that's m- more of a simple type of player have players around him that want the ball in tough spaces, and that's the thing I like about uh, Musa is that he wants the ball in tough spots. He can get out of pinches. He seems confident to be able to solve problems that you know. Again, we've I've talked about it a lot where. Normally, I see a guy get into the spot on the national team, and I go, "Oh no, a, turnover, a turnover's coming." Oh, he's in a bad spot. He can't, and then he just gets out of these spaces confidently and consistently. That I think he's made players like like Zimmerman. Uh, their game becomes more clear, more simple, more predictable, having players like that around them. And so I, I feel like having that, and I, I think you're right on that chemistry. It's it's hard, but it's also a bit scary because. When we don't have the three of them, things change very, very quickly in the national team. We become a very different national team when the three of them aren't there. And and uh, I, I just wonder where our depth is there. And we got a great question coming in here from Mark uh, Grant for you. Tyler Adams, what's his next move? There's only seven or eight realistic clubs he could be heading to after Leipzig. By the way, those are, those are Tyler's words who said there's only seven or eight clubs or something like that. I think there's more than seven or eight that are bigger than Leipzig. But I appreciate the sentiment. I mean, uh, but but the question still stands, Grant. I mean, what's the next move for Tyler?
1: You know, I, I think, you know, he's certainly seen Arsenal being thrown around as a club that's had interest. I don't have any original reporting on that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have interest. They should have interest. Um, you know, and I, I've said before, like, I think Tyler Adams is the kind of player who could play for Real Madrid someday. And, you know, or Nottingham Nottingham Forest, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, it's gonna, you know, he needs to be playing at at Leipzig. And, you know, he's sort of been fighting through this coaching change where, you know, Jesse Marsh was a guy who's known Tyler since he was 15 years old and coached him for a long time. And they're very close. And there certainly was a feeling uh, in Leipzig that as long as Marsh was there, then, then Tyler Adams was going to start. And I thought that was a little unfortunate because I think it sort of undermined the achievements that Tyler Adams has made where he doesn't need to have Jesse Marsh there at Leipzig. He benched him sometimes
0: needing... as well. He benched him a few times. Uh, yeah, yeah. so, and, so
1: well, rotation, but still, it
0: wasn't like he was uh, nepotism there.
1: Right. So, I mean, it's not... Yeah, I, I feel like Tyler Adams has a very very high ceiling he's just a very you know smart uh player who's just constant motor knows where to be on the field and has the maturity of a 40 year old i'm always blown away speaking to tyler adams
0: um (laughs) he's way more mature than jimmy jimmy you're 40 right
1: (laughs) i
2: uh, yes yes i'm four i'll take that i am 40 (laughs)
1: that's <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Jimmy, Jimmy can be a 40-year-old sounding like a 24-year-old, and Tyler Adams can be the opposite, <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense. But, um, I, you know, I've always felt that way about Tyler Adams, and i will be curious to see once he gets out of the Red Bull system someday in his career, I think he'll still be successful wherever he goes, but... Um, just as for Jesse Marsh, it's going to be interesting now that he's not going to be in the Red Bull system in the future. When you get out of that system, there's some very unique aspects to how they approach doing things.
0: And hey, Jimmy, do you agree, disagree with that uh, perspective or where do you see Tyler Adams as a potential fit for him? Because he certainly has the engine for a number of, I think, Premier League clubs that play with that type of mm-hmm. that type of model or mentality. Uh, and it seems a lot of the things from the Red Bull system seem very applicable, but at the same time, not applicable to teams that aren't going to press well together because at the highest levels, you know, one player arriving late, that gets broken. Um, but he seems to have all the, all the right tools. But when is the right time for him to go and who do you think is the right club for him?
2: You know, when I think about Tyler Adams, I think about his minutes. I know we talked about this this a little bit earlier, but you start to see a trend a little bit with the American players. That they do trust Americans, but they don't trust them enough to make them the cornerstone of their team. And maybe that's the next step in our evolution of Americans going over to Europe. Because Tyler Adams is there, and he held his own against Mainz this past weekend. And now Haidara's gone with the Africa Cup of Nations and other players he's competing against are either at that tournament or hurts or got COVID or whatever. And he made the most of it. I thought he was really solid in this game. But then you see McKinney. It's like Allegri knows that he makes the team better. But is he the guy every single game? He's starting to emerge there. But even then, there's like, well, he might be. I was bragging he to my father, Jimmy, on on live score when
0: all the players got subbed out around McKinney, and he was still the one on the on the pitch. Uh, that's, like, as, that's you the as you yeah. should. As you should.
2: Dest, Pulisic, I mean, which players? Condre De La Fuente. Like which players over there are still like locked down a spot and are like the number one choice in in where they're playing? Josh Sargent. Okay, Sargent. Who's who's because I mean they don't touch the ball, so it's just him committing to run around. But but and I and I respect that. Don't I don't want to dismiss that uh, completely. But and there's value in that. But that gives me a little bit of uh, pause now that I think about it some more With as it pertains to Tyler Adams. And I do think he'd be a great fit for a lot of clubs. Uh, I love that he said seven or eight realistically, which is amazing. Um, it, it's, it's 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 interesting times for him because to Grant's point, is he the right fit for what the new management wants to do moving forward? And if he's not, he's only 22. Can he go somewhere else and continue to kind of push? And what I like about him, and I'll liken him to Jude Bellingham a little bit, who gets so many plaudits for... His, his personality and his leadership and, and the way he raises the game of the players around him. I think Tyler Adams says the same thing, especially for the U S men's national team. And I just don't know if he brings that same type of gravitas in the same way for RB Leipzig. And I think for him to really grow and be a, a player that teams build around, he's going to have to bring that a little bit more. And, and that's my one thought on that, but yes, you're right. I mean, there are probably plenty of premier league teams that he could go and, and be a great servant for. And, and I hope that at some point he gets that opportunity to to Grant's point to kind of spread his wings and get out of the RB umbrella or out, out from underneath it and go out and uh and show what he what he can do no matter what the league is in.
0: Yeah, Grant. To go back to our our uh, roster wish list, uh, is there any players in this January window that you think need to make a move, perhaps a loan deal? Anybody that you think is sort of at that verge of? You know whether that's a, a Ferreira or somebody whose interest has recently peaked that that you think is ready for the next challenge. And if so, who do you think that is? And and my second question to that is: there anybody on this roster that that you want to see get more minutes in the in the upcoming qualifiers, or not this roster, but what the potential roster could be?
1: Right. So I mean, like a player like Ferrera, I I think he has a shot to go to Qatar, but I think he needs to stay in Dallas uh, this year and and get the opportunity to to play a lot, uh, especially with Pepe no longer being there. But, you know, like I, I look at uh, Sergio Dest as a guy who the second that Raul Kueman lost his job at Barcelona, that was bad news for Sergio Dest. And I, I look back and I think the choice for Dest was Bayern Munich or Barcelona. And I remember at the time feeling like, wow, Barcelona is moving in the wrong direction. Why are you doing this? And and still happy for him that he got to go to Barcelona, which obviously meant a lot to him. I'd like to see Dest make a move if Chelsea is that option with uh, Chilwell being out uh, long term, and they need to get somebody of quality. Then maybe that would be uh, a possibility, or or something else. But like Dest in Barcelona, it doesn't look good right now.
0: Interesting, Jimmy. Do you? I mean, uh, I, are, are, I... is Dest your your player on the move as well for this this window in terms of the importance of? One for his career for the national team, kind of all encompassing.
2: I don't know if I want him to leave Barcelona, but especially because he's gonna have Danny Alves to ask questions of and to, no, to lean into. Don't
0: do that, Jimmy. He's no, gotta I'm saying... go, man. Okay, he can, listen, he can text him. He can text him, you know. Okay, fine. He WhatsApp. Can they can WhatsApp each other.
2: But 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 Des is actually being, at least as we've seen over the last month or two, that that he's being used more as a winger than he is as a wing back, which which I think maybe plays to his strengths in some capacity. My concern with, with Dest is the future and, and what that means. And I'm and, and, and kind of stating the obvious here, but if he stays at Barcelona, where does he fit? That's one. And then secondly, Barcelona need to make moves to, to get Ferran Torres registered, given the La Liga financial fair play rules that they have put in place in their own league. And I feel like they might be uh, interested in I selling that. I think that's settled,
0: though, with Umtiti's new deal. Uh, great, free, great, great. That's he's good to He's hear. able to, to, to clarify that. And by, by the way, the thing with Dest... That I worried about, and, and Grant, to go back to your point, was when Des went to Barcelona. I was like, he is a very Danny Alves type of player. Where I go, would Danny Alves do all right at Augsburg? In terms of like, he's all he's flying up the line all the time, but can he play honestly on the backside when he was a young player? And I think about Des the same way. I was like, okay, Barcelona is the perfect place for him. They're always going to have the ball. He's always going to be in possession. He's going to be in good spots all the time. And, and and it's great. This is perfect for him. But then I go, well, is it great for his development? Maybe not. But is it the right situation for a player like that? Great. Does that fit to the national team? Maybe, maybe not. But now he's at, now he's just kind of being overlooked in terms of his future, and it seems very clear. I just wonder, where do you go from there? Because you go back to it again, he only played one season at Ajax. It wasn't like we had three, four seasons to be like, okay, this is the player, Is this is the quality that he has. But, you know, I, I mean – Grant, do you, do you see another club for him that makes sense? Do you think Chelsea, I mean, defensively, does that, you know, I guess he'd be in a wing back position at Chelsea. But, uh, uh, I mean, either of you guys, I mean, what would be another club? I mean, we saw with Alphonso hear- Davies. He embraced playing defense very quickly um, and, and made that part of his game.
1: Yeah, I mean, like when you look at, at Dest's options, I do wish he had gone to Bayern Munich because I, I – I think the opportunity was there and that it could have been a situation like Alfonso Davies got at the other side at left back where he's able to just bomb forward and have a huge impact in the attack. Um, I don't know if Chelsea is a, a place under Tuchel where the, the approach would be similar. Uh, and so I don't know about the fit there, but I do look at Barcelona and they've got to realize that Dest is an asset that other clubs would want to buy given his age and potential And in Barcelona, I know this MTV thing got done to allow Peron Torres to be added, but Barcelona still wants to add other players in Mm -hmm. January. And so if they're going to do that, they're going to have to do some more moves. Uh, and, And so selling Dest or loaning him out might be one of them. I'll
2: jump in and say Chelsea would be interesting from a U.S. men's national team perspective, not because of the relationship with Pulisic, but because Tuchel would force Dest how to defend. And I'm all for that, because we need Serginio Dest if we're going to put him on the right side to learn that position a little bit better. So there is some silver lining there. Like when when Rafa Benitez was at Newcastle with DeAndre Yedlin, Yedlin became a better defender because of that. And mainly because they only had 15% possession the whole game, so he had to defend. There's no other choice. but <laughs> but But his hand was forced. But... <laughs> You know, with 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 Des, I think that he would learn something not only from Tuchel but from that formation and the players around him about how to maybe be a little bit more adept and, and savvy with how to play that position. Uh, so so I don't know. There's a silver lining I can always find. I mean, him, but- Jimmy,
0: you're his, say you're his agent or his manager right now. Are you telling him sit tight, work through it? I mean, you, taking all things into consideration, right? A lone move, your development, a World Cup on the horizon. You know, put on your your put on your very expensive watch, your nice suit, and then uh, make the decision for. I don't for have any nervous. of
2: those, but uh, I'll do my best to, <laughs> to imagine. I will I'll say that staying at Barcelona is probably at least makes the most sense through the summer, and then you can reevaluate because Barcelona is still a bit of in disarray. I don't think Xavi knows exactly who he's going to count on. He give he's given young players a ton of chances, but if Ousmane Dembélé stays, you know that's a winger spot, and stays healthy, of course, Ansu Fati will be coming back into the team. Memphis Depay was kind of their number nine, but they went out and got Ferran Torres, who also can play out on the wing. And if they're looking at him in that spot, he's going to have a lot of competition. And then obviously the trust that they're already putting in to Danny Alves and being an extension of Javi on the field, I think is important. And I think I could see them kind of running with him for the next 18 months until his legs fall off and he can't actually win trophies anymore. So, so I don't know where where Serginho Des' future lies. I don't like him on the left side. I'd prefer him on the right. And I think it could be a little bit difficult to make that happen over the next 12 months, maybe wherever he goes. But if he can find a spot in January in Chelsea's an option, he can get some minutes. It's not the worst scenario of all time. But obviously, again, it gets back to the point I'd made before and what Grant was mentioning. But can we get guys that are playing games uh, more regularly so that they get trusted in a way that that maybe some of our Americans aren't? And I think that'll change. That's going to continue to be part of the evolution. But we'll see. Uh-
0: I don't know, Jimmy. I just asked you to be his manager, <laughs> and you just waffled back and forth on the future of your player's career. You by know what? Telling him to stay at Barcelona, then maybe I he did. I said stay at Barcelona. I mean, stay I'm at Barcelona. My, if I'm Sergio Des, I'm looking at my guy and I'm saying, I, listen, we gotta part ways, man. With you, you just told, like you just gave me my options. I those were my options. You know, well, I, I mean, know he my wants options. If you want to go get, if you got the nice. I got you a nice watch. I got you this nice suit that you're making this nice living off of me. Make this, I, you know me. what? Then this is what you. I'd say.
2: Go back to Ajax. And go okay. play with a team that's actually pretty good in the Champions League. <laughs> and go play in a system that actually suits your, your style and what you grew up in. And that way you'll shine and everybody will love you for the I rest X of the
0: I actually made out like bandits, dude. They made 20-something million off of I one I get it. Off. Now, now you them can buy him
2: back for 15 because they got to <laughs> figure out some financial. <laughs> that's, it's that's great
0: business. business. Yeah. Great business. A new, a new watch for everyone. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our final thoughts. Grand Wall, is there anything uh, on your mind that you wanted to to, to get off your chest uh, during this USMNT hour? Uh, related to anything uh, in the in the USMNT sort of sphere,
1: I just want to get this out ahead of time before these qualifiers take place in Columbus and Saint Paul, Minnesota, in late January and early February. When you look at the outdoor NHL game that took place in Saint Paul uh, last week, the temperatures were ridiculous. How has US Soccer chosen? chosen to play these important games in an ice box in columbus and especially in saint paul i think it's in the head now of the u.s soccer federation what happened against costa rica having that game in new jersey the qualifier for the 2018 world cup that the u.s lost which people continue to blame for like costa rican fans and the u.s just played bad
2: i was there Great I was, I was there, there too. You... I was there too. It was a bad game. But, we didn't, we, uh, but it was very. Costa-Rican. We didn't make two plays. We didn't make two plays yeah. defensively, and it cost us. And we didn't have anything going the other way. It has nothing to do with the fans of the stadium or anything. But so. it,
0: but it, there was, it was a it, there was a very large Costa Rican contingent for a home game. For Come the on, US, dude! But it's not. But you're playing in a beautiful stadium, perfect pitch. You should be able to do more than that.
2: Listen, I mean, if if we if we get thrown off by some fans that are loud, we have a weak ass mental team. You like we have mental midgets all over the fields.
1: It, <laughs> I just would say this. I think these two games should have been played in a warmer climate, maybe in Florida, something like that. And if you have some Honduras or El Salvador fans there, so be it. The U.S. has is a better technical team than these opponents, and you want to create the conditions to maximize that advantage, not potentially put them in a hazardous winter storm situation where skill kind of goes out the window. And I, I don't yeah. like that the U.S. Soccer Federation has – put their team in this position by choice.
0: Yeah, Jimmy, um, I mean, for you, it, I, I look back at the the Costa Rica thing, but I also look at what Canada's doing in terms of mind games. And I wonder how much the US uh, Federation played into Canada's mind games of playing their games. Instead of going to Vancouver where you can play it indoors, we're going we're to go to Hamilton and play that game. And just how much the US is looking at those to say, we'll take every little advantage, not taking into consideration of, everybody wants to go, to the snow until you are you have to go to the snow, you know, when it's very, very cold. And it seems like a good idea for an advantage until you go and they go, okay, it's actually sort of levels the playing field. I mean, Jimmy, do you agree with taking those types of things? Because I don't know where the advantages lie, as Grant we, mentioned.
2: Well, no, I guess I have a question of my own, and either one of you can answer. Did we have two very cold destinations for our two home games in this next window because we're trying to prepare for the Canada game, which we knew was going to be cold? Are we just doing that because... We want to throw off the the fans that won't travel to these particular places and make sure it's a home fortress for us, or is it both? Yeah,
0: I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't
2: know if it's because we're trying to get an advantage against the opposing
0: team who's not used to playing in these conditions. Because I don't know if anybody is ever used to playing in those conditions. I don't know if it's again to uh, for the away fan contingent. I don't know if this was. I don't know what the reasoning was to put these games in these places to think that there is an advantage or an inherent advantage that make, gives your team the edge against another team, knowing that you're already a better team than the other team. On a good pitch, on a normal day, in any stadium, you should be able to beat them. I'm not saying go and play where the largest market of your away fans could be, but there are plenty of places that have uh, uh, what I think is, is the edge, which is a nice pitch, a good U.S. Uh, um, contingent that you know are going to buy tickets and, and support the team. And that should be enough to get results. I mean, I don't know what you think. I agree. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think going to – I agree with Grant and you, Heath, that playing in cold markets, just to play in cold markets to throw off our opponent because of that Costa Rica game back in 2018 is a joke. Uh, I I can't subscribe to that, but you should subscribe to Grant's Substack. I think that's really important Mm -hmm. to do. (laughs) Uh, I will add that – with regard to maybe preparing, I could see maybe the first game against El Salvador being in a cold one so it can kind of get you ready for what you're going to face in Canada. That made sense to me, but that second game. But you need uh, points. Like, what What are you prepping for the next game when you can't, you, got, you I, need dude, that? You need points I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of it, Heath. You know, it's, it's, uh, I don't really have a straight answer for you. You I got fired from being Dest's agent. Now you've been fired from whatever committee is making these decisions, Jimmy. You know what? That sounds like your third job on this show. To be honest, I think I'm doing a kick-ass job. You see the leaders that we have around the world. I think I'm pretty much on brand with everybody else. (laughs) So, so uh, I don't, (laughs) I don't know. But, but I think that we have to obviously sell the narrative that this is going to be our fortress, our home, and go out there and you know try to set the tone as fast as we possibly can. But no, is it going to necessarily prove to be an aesthetically pleasing match? Either one of those that we have that we host. Probably not, but I don't think anybody's going to give a shit if we get three points in both.
1: <laughs> probably not. Probably not. You got to get. <laughs> you got to get six in those two games. You that's, have to that's, get that's, six. Those Grant. are the biggest games. They're even bigger than the Canada, Canada game. I agreed. You think about agreed. What, were, were those games decided
0: before we played our last round of qualifiers? I'm just thinking about the timing of it, like, like the did we know we had the. Yeah, the, the, were, were those? They weren't right. Like so it was record. after we knew the points that we had going into those, and then the markets were selected. Yeah, I, I'd just be like, hey, I know we we're going to do this one in Minnesota, but things are going pretty good right now, you know. I yeah. think <laughs> we're going to head south. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Jimmy, any final thoughts from you? I, I We asked Grant for his final thoughts, and he just opened up a can of worms for a whole new topic, which means we'll have to have him back on another show. But Of course, that's what we do Jack? here.
2: I've got no other final thoughts. I appreciate Grant for spending time with us. That was awesome to have him on as our first guest. And, Heath, you did a tremendous job hosting, but I'll do better next time. No. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That was like a punch to the stomach and a rub on the back, Jimmy. Got him. That was so good. But listen, that is it from us for the US MNT hour. Thank you so much for watching and/or listening. Follow K Golasso podcast on Twitter at K Golasso Pod. Follow Grant Wall at Grant Wall as well as Grantwall.com. And like Jimmy said, follow the Substack and make sure you subscribe to that. Subscribe to the K Golasso page on YouTube and hit the notification bell. And of course, subscribe to K Golasso wherever you get your podcasts. And from myself. Grant Wall, Jimmy Conrad, and our producer, Des Norris. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you guys next time. Later.